And reflecting on this letter of St. Paul that he writes to Timothy, I was reminded of a quote by Vince Lombardi, the famous Green Bay Packers coach. He said, I firmly believe that any man's finest hours, his greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. The greatest feeling in the world is victory on a battlefield after you've emptied yourself completely for a goal. But the victory of St. Paul does not look like one of a Super Bowl football player champion. Just as the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross doesn't look like some Marvel hero movie ending. The victory they refer to is fidelity to the gospel. Fidelity to Jesus Christ even to the end of their lives in the midst of a fallen world. And that is not a victory that is filled with accolades and arenas of people cheering you on. Where is St. Paul writing to Timothy from? He's in prison. This victorious hymn is actually his last letter that he ever wrote before he was shortly put to death. And he realizes that. He knows he's about to go to his death after four years in prison. And he says, Beloved, I am already being poured out like a libation. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And it sounds very hopeful, right? But in the midst of this letter, it's actually you see the heartbreak of Paul in the midst of this because he's alone. And he says that everybody around him who used to follow him and be with him has actually abandoned him at this point in his life. He's at the end of his life, and not only have his closest friends and followers abandoned him in prison, but now he hears that there's false teachers in the churches that he himself founded that were changing the teachings of Jesus Christ and watering it down, preaching a different gospel. Can you imagine the suffering that he must have been going through? It's like a parent who pours himself completely out for their children and then sends them away to college and all of their minds starts being twisted against their very family and the values they were raised with. And he could do nothing about it. And all he's doing right now is he's begging Timothy, his co-worker, a fellow bishop that he himself ordained and brought into the church, come see me, be with me. And be faithful to the word of the gospel that has been passed down to you. So at this point, Paul had been canceled. He was was an untouchable. And anybody who associated with Paul at the end of his life was also seen as anathema. And he, he warns Timothy in this letter. He says, God is always faithful. And if you're faithful, he will be faithful. But even if you deny the truth, he will remain faithful because God cannot deny himself. And so what he's saying there is that the truth remains whether people accept it or they don't. And whether you're going to be faithful to what I taught you or not, God is still going to be faithful because he can't deny his own self, his own truth. But where did this fidelity lead St. Paul? This is something I don't know if we really appreciate or reflect enough, 
as Catholics? Where did his fidelity to Christ lead him? To be alone and abandoned and rejected and imprisoned and ultimately to his death. And who else died that similar death? Jesus Christ. In being faithful to his follow, to his father's will in his life, it set him apart from everybody to the point where at the end of his life on that cross, all he had with him was a few disciples and his mother. Not the greatest consolation for a man lying victorious on the battlefield, emptying himself completely. So we see a mirroring image of what happened to Jesus Christ in his fidelity to the Father and what happened to his closest apostle, the one who gave himself more than anybody else. It led him down a dark path where he was alone. But it's really beautiful. You have to read this letter this week, the second letter to Saint to Timothy, because he also goes on and on about how deep he experiences the consolation of Jesus Christ. And have you ever felt that yourself? That in the times when it's darkest in your life, that's also where the light of the gospel, the love of God, also shines brightest in your heart, and you feel the intimacy of Christ. So St. Paul felt the rejection of the world, but he also in that felt the one who never abandons us in our suffering. But I've been thinking about where this fidelity to God led St. Paul. You know, we had, I had an experience I've been just thinking about this last week that, you know, someone came up to me, a very faithful, good Catholic student here, and we pray the rosary every Thursday. Right, we walk all around the campus, Divine Mercy Chaplet, Rosary once a week, just to pray for the campus, offer it up. And I had one person come up and say, you know, I, I, I think we should just go a different way. That's fine, just, you know, try something new. But the reasoning is what hit me. People have been seeing us, and they're becoming uncomfortable with us walking around in a big group of people praying the Rosary. And it can seem a little intimidating, right? If you don't understand what's going on, 15, 20 guys with these rosary beads going around. But we're making people uncomfortable. And people who were starting to talk to us when they see us praying the rosary have started to go further away from us now. So I did it. We walked in a different path when going around. But the whole time I was thinking in my mind, why are we here? Why are we walking down paths where nobody can even see us so we don't feel uncomfortable and they don't feel uncomfortable? That's a bad reason to walk down a different path. I felt like a coward the whole time we were doing that. Prayer makes people uncomfortable, especially in America. God makes people uncomfortable especially when they're not right in right relationship with him. And if we become uncomfortable with that, then what's going to happen to the light of Christ shining within us when we are called to go out into the world? We're going to hide it. We're going to put it underneath a bushel basket. 
It's okay to feel afraid. It's okay to feel hurt when we're rejected for trying to be faithful to Jesus Christ. That's totally normal. It's not okay to act on that. It's not okay to change who we are or what we believe or what we do because we make people who aren't following Jesus Christ uncomfortable. I cannot stand before Jesus Christ at the end of my life knowing that's how I lived, especially as a priest. I would be ashamed. St. Paul is not only an example to us, he should be an inspiration to us. And knowing that those who are closest to Jesus Christ, who truly sought his heart, who truly loved him, had experiences of him, real mystical prayer. They weren't, they didn't have lives filled with accolades and cheerleaders, and they were not loved by all. Oftentimes they were rejected and alone because of that fidelity. And that's okay. You know, I knew this, this one Muslim man, I, I heard this story from him that one time he was in his, his office building, he was praying in his office and they do their, you know, five times a day they pray on these mats and a woman walked in while he was doing his prayers in his office and she became so embarrassed, she, you know, kind of shrieked and then ran out. And later on she came back to him and she said, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I, I walked in on you while you were praying. I, I feel so bad about this. And he just kind of laughed and he said, you know, that's, that's the difference between where I come from and how you guys act in the West is where I come from. We're not afraid to pray in public and all things pertaining to sex is done in private. For you guys, all things pertaining to sex is in public and your prayer must be in private. We live in a society where you, where you can pass around contraceptives in high schools, but you can't pass around Bibles. That's the world that we live in. And so if we are being faithful to Jesus Christ, we should expect that the same thing that happened to the great saints before, in its own way, will come upon our lives too. And we can't be afraid of the consequences of that. I wish I had a humorous joke to lighten the mood right now, but I don't. <laughs> I think the real question is, what is the battle that we are trying to fight in our life? John Eusurso came here this last week. He gave a great talk to all of us on Newman Night about following the right Jew. And he said there's three Jewish perspectives that's forming our entire mindset in the West today. And that's from Karl Marx with Marxism, Sigmund Freud with our understanding of psychology and sex and gender, and lastly, Jesus Christ, the Jewish Christian. Right? So basically, those three philosophies form how we see ourselves and how we see the world. So Marx, everything's about our environment. Racism, sexism, economics, politics. It's all about overcoming an oppressive regime, regime to find liberation. Freud, it was all about sex. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. So that, that whole thing. 
but it's about your gender, your sexual orientation, your desires, being able to be free to do with your body whatever you want. So Freud's all about the body, Marx all about environment. For those who follow Marx, life is about fighting the battle of creating the right environment in the world. Black Lives Matter, racial inequality, feminism, the right to abortion, the right to marriage and divorce, immigration, overcoming capitalism for socialism. That's the battle of Marxism. And people are not ashamed or afraid to fight those battles in public. It's all around us, especially in universities. And for those who follow Freud, the battle is over one's gender. It's no longer male and female. It, there's 72 genders currently that you can put on your driver's license right now. 72. And New York had to pass a rule or a law or something like that. You had to wait at least three months before you change your gender on your driver's license because there is so much circulation of the same persons. So for them, life is a battle for expression of my gender, my sexual desires, everything pertaining to that. And then we see St. Paul. St. Paul is fighting the battle of Jesus Christ, which is only one, the salvation of our souls. To be faithful to the word that we have received from God that determines who we are as individuals and what it means to live on this earth. And all he's thinking about at the end of his life is don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't be afraid of living the faith or being rejected because of it. And I love how he speaks to St. To Timothy, because he says, this is where I stand and I'm in prison and I don't regret anything that I've done to get me here. But you yourself are going to have to stand before our Lord and he is going to judge you as a shepherd of the church. Were you faithful to him and faithful to the flock that he has entrusted to your care? Every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ on our own. Except me. All of you will be there too, which is really scary to think about. Jesus Christ will not judge me by myself. He's going to put every single one of you and every single person he has put in my path as a minister of his word. And he is going to ask you, was this priest faithful to my word? Did he teach you the truth? Did he give you the medicine that I came to give for the salvation of your soul so that you would know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil that led you to your path of salvation. I won't be able to answer that for myself. And that's why every single time I write a homily, I have to imagine that you're not here. I only think about preaching in front of Jesus Christ. That's why I hate that moment when it actually comes up because then I see all of you looking right back. But look at how attentive we all are. That's what I love about this. Because we all know this is true in the depths of our heart. No one's falling asleep today because we know that there is a battle out in this world, especially on this campus. 
between these different worldviews, between how I'm going to live, how I'm going to understand myself, and we all know how difficult it is to be faithful to Jesus Christ in the midst of a culture that is increasingly rebelling against everything that he came to teach us. That's the reality of our lives. And we need the example and inspiration of men like St. Paul, who was faithful even unto death, to allow his words to echo in our own hearts. So what I invite every single one of us here to do this week, just read first letter and second letter to Timothy. If you can't do that, just read the second letter to Timothy. It'll take you 10 minutes. It's St. Paul's final letter, days before he was put to death. Pray for his spirit to be in your heart because the battle that he fought that he ran to the end, that's what we're in right now in our lives. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, his greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. St. Paul's greatest fulfillment was the moment he worked his heart out in a good cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. And he lay exhausted on the field of battle, imprisoned. You could say, I have competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He was victorious. May it be so for every single one of us at the end of our lives when we stand before the just judge.